Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm unfortunately not joined here today by my co-host, Jaren, but we will proceed with the podcast nonetheless. Today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 127-99 to victory over the Denver Nuggets in what one could argue was maybe the Mavericks' most complete game of the season. Of course, the Mavericks had the 41-point victory over the Memphis Grizzlies for their home opener um, about 10 games back or so. And obviously, well, that was the most the Mavericks' most dominant victory of the season in terms of the Mavericks having struggled so heavily recently with dealing with the opposing players, like with the opposing team's best players being out and the Mavericks just completely playing down to their opponent. I think it's, you know, pretty easily to um, concur here that this was possibly the Mavericks' most satisfying or complete win amidst the recent struggles. A lot of role players stepped up that haven't stepped up at points in this season. And Christian Wood has his season high with the Mavericks with 28 points. Luka Doncic had a 30-point triple-double and was able to rest a solid amount of the fourth quarter. You wish Jason Kidd would have pulled him a little earlier there. But, you know, Luka was pining to get that triple-double, of course. So, I mean, it, it was just a really satisfying victory on both sides of the ball. Holistically, you know, we got to get in a little elongated stretch where we got to see some guys in garbage time play. And it was just a like free, worrisome win for the Mavericks, something that we really haven't had this year. This was only the Mavericks third out of 15 games in which they did not play a clutch game as defined by NBA.com. So for those reasons, I mean, it was just I think it was definitely a relief for most Mavs fans who have had to deal with the stress of this Mavericks team's fourth quarter woes and their continued letting teams back in the game when they really shouldn't have let them back in the game for, you know, for those reasons, this is probably one of the, probably the best one of the season, you know, obviously not overtly impressive. The Nuggets were missing arguably their three best players in this game with Aaron Gordon, um, out for injury, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic out for health and safety protocols. Um, I mean, you could maybe argue Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon, who means more to that team. But the way Michael Jordan, Michael Porter Jr. played tonight, um, you'd probably run with the agenda that Aaron Gordon's the uh, third best player on that team. But I mean, it's it's redundant nonetheless. It was a, a very holistic win by the Mavericks, and we're going to be getting all into it right here but before we do that here's an ad from our sponsor anchor all right so getting into this one it seemed pretty even keel throughout the first quarter the mavericks led the nuggets after the first quarter 29 to 27 if we look at just the sort of mavericks offensive flow in that first quarter the nuggets were trapping quite a bit they were really keying in early and they were doubling luca and he was picking them park. He was finding the weak side wings and corners. And Dorian Finney-Smith threes were being served up on a silver platter. Now, Dorian didn't knock down a ton in this game. But, I mean, he made a three and he had, like, 
what seemed at least a few different wide open attempts in that first quarter. And without Murray and Jokic, it just seemed like this Nuggets team was hard struck to be able to create offense. Now some guys did step up for them, but it was only able to go so far for them at different points in this game, right? You look at the Nuggets and Jeff Green, he was matched up on Luka quite a bit in that first quarter, and he was able to take advantage with uh, Luka in the post. Luka, typically his biggest strong suit as a defender is being able to use his body position and his strength against some of these smaller guards and guys that just aren't as strong. But Jeff Green, he was really able to exploit Luka because, you know, older veteran guy who's got a pretty good center of gravity, he's got some strength behind him. And, you know, he really got through Luca on a couple post-ups and I think one or two post-fadeaways in that first quarter. So he was a source of offense for the Nuggets. Bruce Brown was a great point of the attack of ball, uh, ball handler in this game. Um, he had to handle the ball at points a lot at the top of the key and on the uh, perimeter for the Nuggets. And, I mean, he's, you know, somewhat explosive getting to the rim. He had seven assists, 18 points, and seven to 12 shooting in this game. He had to play a different role than he's played in years past, but I was really surprised to see his sort of progression as a player because this is not a guy who projected as a secondary ball handler option by any means, in my opinion, from what I've watched from him. You know, this is a guy who was like a really interesting sort of defensive wing and Swiss Army knife type of guy that you know, when he was in Brooklyn, was a really good ball mover, was a guy who could attack off closeouts and score within the short roll. But it was really interesting to see how he sort of is evolving into a different type of player for the Nuggets. Now, I haven't watched much Nuggets games, admittedly, this year, but he drained, I think, two or three threes in this game. Yeah, he went two for three on threes, and his shot looked a little more fluid than it has. And I mean, he was initiating offense for them. And of course, you know, they have their lead ball handler and Jamal Murray out, but him, I guess, showing out as a sort of release valve in terms of being able to handle the ball and create some offense for them in the pick and roll is really interesting. And I think that that makes that contract all the more worthwhile. I mean, they were able to get Bruce Brown with the taxpayer mid-level exception. Um, and that shows like that is one of the biggest finesses of last year's free agency. Like he played really well in this game. I really liked um, seeing how he contributed to them. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, he didn't really get heated up till the second half. So we'll get into him more as we cover the, the game, but especially in that first half, uh, I really liked how Bruce Brown asserted himself for the Nuggets because, you know, if you would have asked me before the game who would have been the sort of Mavs all-star, the guy that went off the most against the Mavericks, that is, you know, seemingly a role player on most nights, especially with the Nuggets not having any of their star players, I probably would have said Bones Highland. Um, he kind of had somewhat of a rough go of it compared to some other games um, coming off the bench in this one. But nonetheless, uh, the Mavericks were able to, you know, pretty efficiently guard whatever sort of offense the Nuggets were trying to furbish in this one because the Nuggets, uh, I mean, they were just relying on these sort of isolation attempts by guys that typically aren't, you know, primary playmakers. And that can only go so far when you're trying to, 
you know, win an NBA game and you're relying on guys to do things outside of their roles. Now, I don't think that these Nuggets players are completely one dimensional by any means. Like I think Bruce Brown offers a better array of skill set than, you know, say a Reggie Bullock, right. In terms of not just being a strict three and D wing, but you know, the Mavericks were able to take advantage of the fact that those, these, this isn't really what those guys primary roles are. And especially with Michael Porter jr. Having a terrible shooting night. Um, he was really just jacking things up at some points. He took some, really wild shots there in that second quarter. And it really led to the Nuggets detriment, uh, I thought, throughout this game. But, you know, the Nuggets still were able to score relatively well in this one until the fourth quarter. But, you know, a lot of that was kind of garbage time minutes, which was interesting to me. Um, You know, in terms of a defensive aspect in this one, I do think that there were times where Tim Hardaway Jr., um, Spencer Dinwiddie, they were getting beat off the dribble by one of Bones Highland or Bruce Brown or Contavious Caldwell Pope, and they were letting those guys get to their spots. Maybe not, I guess, estimating that they were going to be able to do those sorts of things is would be my guess to an extent. You know, oh, it's not Jamal Murray or Jokic, so we may not have to guard up on these guys as much, but you know, that's a sort of sticking point where the Mavericks are going to have to fix at some point this season, because the longer that they continue to play down to their opponent in terms of, you know, projecting that they're going to play a lot less better offensively or be a lot less dynamic offensively than they actually are. That's going to be an issue that persists as we go along in the season. But, you know, throughout the first quarter, um, it wasn't really too eventful. The Nuggets were mainly, you know, furbishing most of their offense off of isolation attempts from Jeff Green or Bruce Brown. Michael Porter Jr.'s rough shooting was really hurting them in this one. And Luka Doncic was just picking them apart. Like, the Nuggets didn't really seem to have any rhyme or reason in terms of when they were trapping Luka. You could tell that they were trying to make him a passer early. And after the first half, they started to go away from it to an extent. They're like, okay, you know, try to beat us yourselves, basically. Let's see how much you can score. But, I mean, it just goes to show this is 15 games in, and every single game, teams try to guard Luca one of those two ways. They either try to make him a passer or they try to let him score himself and make – um, and, you know, not let the Mavericks' wings and shooters beat them. But at the end of the day, it goes to show Luca's um, adaptability for him to just counter whatever's thrown at him. Um, and you see it game after game, regardless of how good a team can switch or recover on rotations, Luca persists in terms of his play game after game, barring those two sort of albatross games on the road in Orlando and Washington, where you know you could kind of tell that he was just bogged down and tired he is going to play his brand of basketball. And that's clearly evident throughout these first 15 games. One stat that's came out, uh, Kevin O'Connor tweeted this today is Luca, I think is third in points per possession in the NBA in post-ups at 1.24 a game. Christian Wood is like fourth or something. So there's two Mavericks within the top five, which is really cool to see. But I mean, that goes to show Luca is getting to the line this year. 
he's averaging he's averaging 11.5 free throw attempts per game which would be a career high he's being much more assertive with the lack of a third ball handler i think luca knows that there's another burden um, an extra layer in terms of what he has to carry for the mavericks this year that he didn't have last year with jalen brunson and you know I think at the beginning of the season last year, you know, you can make the argument, oh, Spencer didn't what he wasn't on the team last year. But Luca was out for stretches at the beginning of the season. It was weird with health and safety protocols. They were trying to get KP going. Luca was out of shape to start the season in the first place. So by de facto, he was already, you know, settling more, taking more step backs. What we're seeing from him right now is an almost like, super serum version of his 2019-20 campaign where he's attacking the rim relentlessly and you know sure it'll dwindle down you know quarter by quarter as he admittedly will get a little more tired but nonetheless he's getting to the rim at will and he's using post-ups at an increased rate um to the likes of which we haven't seen in his career yet um, he's averaging 8.5 fouls drawn per game, which is also a career high. Now, all of this is small sample size theater. It's only been 15 games, but Luca's ability um, in terms of what I've really noticed, especially over these last few games, is using that baseline as a shield and, um, you know, just kind of doing a little quick check spin move and getting to the rim before the help defense can come has been huge. And there were some really interesting possessions last night where the Mavericks were using Reggie Bullock, Josh Green, to name a few names in terms of wings that were setting screens for Luka. And he would split the double team. And at that point, you take two guys out of the play if Luka's able to effectively split the double team. And then you find the strong side wing right open in the corner for a three. Those were really good possessions last night for the Mavericks and led to a lot of wide open shots, uh, particularly that one where he split the double team and, you know, he gets into the paint. He does a sort of Euro step, then they'll look past a Christian Wood for three. Like, I mean, inject that into my veins, man. That is offense to a premium. That is Luka Doncic exploiting whatever's thrown at him. He has an effective counter for almost anything you throw at him as a defense. He, and he has multiple of them. He knows exactly how to play any mismatch. There was that one play last night where he sort of posted up almost from the three-point line. And don't quote me on this, but I, I believe it was Christian Woods set a uh, pin down. And it was right out of a timeout. And Luca just nice a pass. Um, that really, I don't know how many other players would have seen, like literally from a post-up position. It almost looked like a hook shot straight to Josh Green. This was in the third quarter for an easy layup. And it just plays like that where you're seeing the next evolution of Luca, just in the sense that he's, yes, doing the things that he's done before in the past um, stylistically, but he's exploiting like his areas of effectiveness more than he has in years prior. And I think that that's what's leading to his MVP campaign. And that goes down to him being in much better shape. I think that that's why he's playing as well as he is right now is because when he's able to get to the rim more and use that ability to create 
points for the Mavericks, you know, whether it be via his passing or just him attacking and finishing, that's much more effective than settling for step back threes. And Luca can get really hot from three and those games that he does are really fun, but it seems like he's learning on that, how to ride the hot wave from three versus forcing it when it's not there, when he's having an off night, you know, I know he shot seven threes in this game and that led the Mavericks in terms of threes took, but you know, there have been games where he's shot like three for 13 from three last year. And, you know, it seems like he has a better grasp of, you know, staging when he should attack and, you know, when it might be time to take a possession off and shoot a three, he's not just doing it constantly. No, even if he does get really tired throughout the game and that's been a sight for sore eyes. And, you know, that led to his 33 point triple double in 35 minutes tonight. You know, you wish Jason Kidd would have pulled him a little or earlier in that fourth quarter, but nonetheless, you're happy to see him get the triple double. It is what it is. He didn't get hurt, but whatever. I'm not going to go on too much of a tangent about that, but, you know, to go back to my point, obviously I got a little off track there, just sort of salivating over Luca, but um, in the second quarter, the Mavericks scored 44 points. And I think that it was in no small part due to the Mavericks bench and particularly Christian Wood really um, throwing the Nuggets a sort of a curveball. The Mavericks pace increased rapidly the second Luka got off the floor. The Mavericks were running a lot in this game. And, you know, the Nuggets had a lot of guys that were pushing the ball in transition. Uh, the Nuggets shot, um, I mean, they shot 33s tonight, but it seemed a lot of their threes were missing really long. The Mavericks, the Nuggets only had 11 turnovers in this game. And I was, you know, wondering as to how the Mavericks were getting out in transition so fast in this game. They were really pushing the tempo in those non-Luka minutes, of course, when he, you know, wasn't really taking the ball back. Tim Hardaway Jr., Spencer Dinwiddie, even Christian Wood, we saw him run the floor countless times in this game. And, you know, I kind of trace it back to the fact that a lot of these Nuggets threes were missing really long in this game. And, you know, when a three is missing that long and you're able to catch it at, I don't know, you know, the perimeter, that free throw line to three-point area, and you have numbers, like you can get the ball out really fast. And the Mavericks are really able to do that in this game. And with the lack of, you know, offensive creation when Luca's out of the game, you know, you really only have Dinwiddie as a ball handler in this game. And I mean, honest to God, in this one, you know, compared to some of the other games, Dinwiddie really wasn't too isolation heavy in this game. He was kind of deferring to Christian Wood a lot, but the Mavericks, you know, sort of a way that you can compensate for not having um, a plethora of ball handling out there is the ability to increase your pace and try and get out in transition. And I think that that was sort of a masterclass for the Mavericks in that second quarter in those uh, first six minutes when Luca wasn't out there. They, you know, Josh Green, he had an and one in transition at one point. Christian Wood was running the floor. And um, something that was a really a big revelation for me in this game was Christian Wood's ability to drive. We've seen Christian Wood be effective in post-up scenarios this year. You know, obviously I mentioned at the top of the podcast that he's top five in points per possession in terms of post-ups this year, as well as Luca, which, I mean, I don't, I'm always identified Christian Wood as, you know, a guy who can get his own shot when needed, but I was really surprised to see that stat earlier today, but nonetheless, I mean, he had some drives from the top of the key where he was able to get to the rim and finish. And, you know, I want to preface that this Nuggets team, 
was missing, you know, obviously while while missing Aaron Gordon, a guy that would have likely likely matched up on Christian Wood and hampered him a little bit more. And, you know, their two primary offensive valves in Jokic and Murray, you know, even if Christian Wood was getting guarded by Vlako Conchar and DeAndre Jordan and his ability to get to the basket was, you know, more of an easier path and maybe it should have been in a game like this. You know, you can't put it past him, some of the stuff that he showed last night. It was really impressive. And he was attacking the glass a lot better than I thought, especially even in those Christian Wood Luka minutes. Christian Wood was, you know, a lot of Mavericks fans on Twitter are going at him really hard from his inability to set a screen. And there is something to be said about that. You know, there are times where you want to actually set a hard screen versus just slip. It's always funny. I feel like these, you know, more slimmer, not as stocky big men are always the ones that want to slip screens and avoid contact. And you kind of see that with Christian Wood to an extent. But, you know, with the Nuggets lack of interior defense and DeAndre Jordan's sort of slow footedness and preemptiveness in terms of his drop coverage, it's definitely not where it used to be. Christian Wood was really able to exploit um, that pick and roll with Luca in the first half. Um, and they were relentlessly going at it. And I mean, in that first quarter, we saw him score off that three, four times. And that was a sight for sore eyes. It was um, it was definitely one of my favorite Christian Wood games that we've had this year in only 26 minutes. Um, he had 28 points. It was a plus 21 in this game. And I believe it was like in those first like eight minutes, he had 18. Um, you know, when his shot gets going and he's scoring in the interior and you're going against a team that even in like those non-DeAndre Jordan minutes, you know, when the Nuggets supposedly would have more switchability, you know, they were just too small for him. He was able to, you know, post up or drive from the perimeter and use his length or just shoot over guys um, once he got with inside, you know, that 10 feet area. And I mean, he serves as a big offensive drawing point for the Mavericks. I don't think Christian Wood is the perfect fit with this Mavericks team. Um, in terms of that idealistic big man that you want with Luca, you know, idealistically you have a really good rim protector who can stretch the floor and roll, but the, you know, there are very few players in this league that can do that. But I do think that Christian Wood can be in this sort of echelon where he could be a top three, four player on a championship team. And I think he's best paired with another defensive big man. I even made a tweet yesterday in terms of some on-off numbers, like in with his two-man lineups, um, the Mavericks two-man lineup of Christian Wood and Maxi Kleber, um, the Mavericks defensive rating is 101.9, which isn't half bad um, when you pair Christian Wood with another big who can sort of compensate for his defensive liabilities. And when um, he's paired with Dwight Powell in those scenarios, the, the Mavericks defensive rating is 125, which is pretty abysmal. So to see Christian Wood be able to really um, just serve as this huge offensive powerhouse in this game um, was great to see, especially amidst some struggles before he went out in the uh, road trip, before he went to Orlando and um, Washington. Christian Wood was really struggling at times. 
um, in terms of his offensive creation. You know, maybe those comments from Jason Kidd, we don't know if that got to him at all or if it was just a confidence thing or just fitting in, but he looked really good tonight. And I was really happy to see it. He also uh, stayed out of foul trouble, only had two fouls in 26 minutes. And, you know, the Mavericks could have deferred to him a little bit more and, you know, played him more in this game. And I do still think that there is something to be said about him starting. You know, I understand that, you know, you can even argue Dwight Powell can be a better defender than him at times. That's up in the air, obviously. I don't really, I think both of them are probably better defensively at different things, but that's, you're, you're splitting hairs at that point, right? So you can make the case for like, okay, if Dwight Powell's not really giving you much on defense, why isn't Christian Wood start? And I mean, I, that's a very valid argument. I think the Mavericks do need his scoring punch off the bench, but there is something to be said about him starting, especially as much as he's showing recently. He's averaging like 22 in his last four games and like eight rebounds almost. Like, I think that there's a definitive argument for that, especially, you know, he's doing all this, playing under 30 minutes a game um hyper efficient 11 for 16 field goal shooting tonight so I think there is something to say um about him starting but nonetheless you love to see the production out of him tonight and you know not to I know anger some of the people who are vehemently against JaVale McGee um because I mean I I definitely have not been pleased whatsoever with JaVale McGee's start to the season but you can't lie in terms of being able to identify that those um, JaVale McGee, Christian Wood lineups, uh, particularly in the second, fourth quarter, when they play together, um, I haven't really checked the stats on them, but they have to have really good uh, on-off numbers because <clears throat> they looked really good tonight. Um, you saw um, just from the standpoint that this was the first time JaVale's got like real minutes um, coming back from his next strain in quite some time. And obviously we have to talk about him. He had 10 points, five for six field goal shooting, 17 minutes, four rebounds in this game, right? Uh, was a plus 11. Yes, Jokic wasn't playing and the Nuggets essentially have no big men. And, you know, there's definitely a case that DeAndre Jordan is like the almost regressed version of JaVale in the sense that he's even more slow footed and unable to stay with anybody in front of him. And, reacts late and all that sort of stuff all those terrible things we've seen from JaVale McGee through the first 10 games or whatever through the season in which he's played DeAndre Jordan was amplified times like five but there's something to be said by JaVale playing really good tonight I'm not saying that JaVale has <clears throat> you know sort of this by no means is me saying he's back or this is him reprimanding his really terrible start to the season but we have to recognize that he had a good game in this one. He had two blocks. He was affecting shots at the rim. Um, you know, he was moving his feet better than I think we've seen in prior games. And when, you know, one of Bones Highland or a Bruce Brown got into that restricted area, like JaVale was at least providing resistance. Like he wasn't really letting a lot of things fly by over him. And that could have been vastly different if, Aaron Gordon, Michael, I mean, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, or Jamal Murray played in this game, but we have to acknowledge that he had a good game defensively. I, I have no clue if this persists, and this is me not, like I said, this is not me saying that JaVale has not played terrible to start the season and that, you know, we still shouldn't be looking elsewhere in terms of, you know, maybe finding another big man in the rotation, but 
you know, let's let's give credit where it's due. This was a good JaVale McGee game, something that we really haven't had since maybe that Suns or Grizzlies game in which he played okay. And that was a sight for sore eyes, especially after having him miss the last couple games. I was really pleased with his effort. He was attacking the glass a little bit harder. Just looked like more effort from him. I mean, he, you know, we thought going into the season that he was going to be this sort of consistent player. Maybe we're not going to get a ton from him, but at least we know what we're going to get. That's what he showed in Phoenix last year. Um, you know, um, you could obviously, we can question, oh, is this just a sort of weird hokey start to the season, kind of like Reggie Bullock has with his shooting? <clears throat> Maybe that could be the case for JaVale. Maybe he does have more in him and he's just been hard pressed to show it. Uh, maybe he was dealing with some stuff and him sitting out that uh, these last uh, one or two games has like really helped him kind of get back into form. I don't really know the answer and I don't know if this is going to continue to persist, but he played 17 minutes in this one and came off the bench and was effective. We knew that he was going to get run tonight with Maxi Kleber continuing to be out with that lower back contusion and he played well. And, you know, I, you can hear every argument in the world as to, you know, the nuggets were literally, running Vlako Conchar and Zeke Naji at the five at points in this game. And they really had no inside presence. And DeAndre Jordan is, like I said, the just like even like times three down version of JaVale McGee. But, I mean, let's give credit where it's due. He played well. So that was um, really interesting to see. And, you know, in those lineups where Christian Wood and JaVale were together, I thought it served well defensively because JaVale was able to – you know, stay in that restricted area a little bit more, guard the rim, while you were able to put Christian Wood, who has likely, you know, better foot speed than JaVale on some of these wings and guards um, to where he wasn't having to get <clears throat> put into drop coverage and have to, you know, defend the rim against some of these um, <clears throat> really good fives that you'll see at times or get um, have to be the point of attack defender on – uh, a point guard when he gets switched, he was able to kind of just camp out on, you know, some of these wings. And I think that that's where he's best served defensively. I think Christian Wood can guard, guard up on a three or a four just fine. It's when you start involving him in some of these scenarios that only some of the better centers in the league can really uh, attend to that you'll see him start to struggle. And, you know, it is an indictment upon him to an extent, you know, he could be a little, um, more assertive in terms of him trying to play more vertically, play without fouling. Um, you know, obviously, if he was a little stronger, a little bigger, maybe this wouldn't be an issue. But at the end of the day, let's, uh, you know, what are we going to – we can't really have too many gripes about it as well as he played in this one, right? Um, but nonetheless, like, you know, I still think his idealistic fit is next to a shot-blocking big man and – at least in this game, JaVale played fairly decent as an interior defender. So um, we'll see how that persists going forward. I, I don't know. I'm definitely not optimistic that JaVale is going to be able to keep this level of play up, but it was really fun to see him and Wood play in those lineups together. Um, I thought Josh Green in this game did a really good job running out in transition. He missed his only three he took in this game. He hasn't continued his insane three-point shooting start to the season though his shot still looks good it still looks good form wise which is good so we obviously have seen some regression there but I thought he did as good as one could in terms of staying with Bones Highland I mean that is like one of the fastest guys in the league and 
Josh Green matched his foot speed pretty well. Bones hit a few tough shots over him, admittedly, but I thought Josh Green did a good job with that. He did a good job serving as a screener in this game. He set a lot of on-ball screens for Luka. Um, he was setting some pin downs. That's one of his strong suits is his ability to shoot uh, set screens. He might be the best screener on this team if we're just talking about – well, outside Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell is obviously a really good uh, screener, particularly in pick-and-roll scenarios, but Josh Green is a really good – um, on and off ball screener because he stands pat and sets an actual screen. And, you know, we can obviously knock on, <laughs> get knock on wood. <laughs> uh, we can knock on Christian Wood um, for his inability to set good screens and the fact that he slips more screens than he does actually set good screens, but it worked out in this one. So uh, I guess whatever, you know, the next game that he, it doesn't work out, that's when I will definitely apply constructive criticism there. Um, but I thought Josh Green did a good job running in transition and, you know, filling in the gaps and um, playing really good on-ball defense in this one. Reggie Bullock had a good game in this one, so Josh Green wasn't really needed to fill that, um, you know, role in terms of running with the starters more in this one. You know, obviously there's still an argument to be made at times if Josh Green can take Reggie Bullock's minutes and roll more, especially if this Reggie shooting – uh, these Reggie shooting woes can, uh, continue, but, you know, we got to give credit where it's due despite his really rough start to the season. And I don't think this is a scenario where we need to be like, Oh, like it's just part of Reggie. Like we, you know, once January comes around, he'll shoot really good. Like, no, like we need to apply the criticism when it's war warranted. Like Reggie has had a really bad start to the season and that may need to be sacrificial to his minutes at, at times until he can, figure out how to shoot the ball. But, you know, let's be honest. He had a good shooting game. He went two for five from three in this game, uh, 10 points, uh, six rebounds. I thought he attacked the glass. Well, he played solid D in this one. Um, and I just thought that, you know, he just looked a little more like in tune with the game. He had two mid range jump shots in this game where defenders closed out too hard on him and he was able to take a little pull-up dribble and shoot. That's something, I mean, you know, sure. It wasn't driving to the rim, but that's something that we haven't seen at all from him throughout this season, um, just any sort of counter to, you know, a closeout besides stepping to the side and shooting a three. And I was glad he was able to recognize it and take those possessions. And I thought he played well in 31 minutes. He was an active defender. You know, he compensated a little bit for Dorian, who didn't have as prominent of an offensive game as he has in the last few games. Dorian's played really well. But, you know, that was really good to see. And the Mavericks, I thought, just um, as a whole – did a fairly good job rebounding in this one. Uh, they out-rebounded the Nuggets by eight, and I you know, I do realize that the Nuggets were missing, obviously, their best rebounder, Nikola Jokic, but it was good to, you know, see Luka, um, JaVale, and Christian Wood, and, you know, the Mavericks wings, Dorian and Reggie, um, all had fairly okay rebounding games and just kind of getting after it. That was a sight for sore eyes. Um, I kind of want to backtrack to, uh, you know, the whole ball handler thing. This was a game where I thought, no, this is one of those feasible games in the regular season where the Mavericks can get by without more ball handling. The Nuggets, you know, don't have, <clears throat> especially when they're, um, you know, you don't have Aaron Gordon out there. They're they're slightly limited in terms of their ability to guard the perimeter. You know, you have Bruce Brown and Caldwell Pope, who are both really good wing defenders. But outside of that, I mean, they don't really have a lot of, you know, perimeter defenders that, you know, we're going to be able to really key in on um, Mavericks, you know, shooters or anything like that. So, you know, once 
Luca was able to kind of peel back that first layer of defense. And if he was able to take advantage of a switch and then, you know, start that domino effect of the Mavericks kicking it out to the perimeter to find open shooters. I mean, it, it kind of wraps at that point because I mean, the nuggets don't, they, they just don't have like a ton of perimeter defensive, I mean, defensive perimeter firepower, especially without Gordon out there. If he's in this game, you know, that that's probably a whole different story, but um, you know, that was a part of the reason I thought the Mavericks were able to score so much in this game. And, you know, Luke, uh, the Mavericks in this game shot 13 for 32 from three. I mean, it wasn't the best night shooting the ball, but they didn't take near as many as they did in that Rockets game before when Luca was out. And, you know, that's, in my opinion, a direct correlation just of him playing his ability to get in the lane and create offense that's not just jacking up shots. And, I mean, I think if Dinwiddie was a little bit healthier and didn't have as dead of legs in that Rockets game. It's a totally different story. And, you know, I don't know if the Mavericks shoot quite 55 threes. I'm sure they still would have shot a lot, but it was nice to see Spencer get some rest because this was a game where he was able to defer a lot more. He only played 26 minutes. The Mavericks got some good rest for him after playing, you know, two really heavy workloads on, you know, a back-to-back um, in those, uh, in that Rockets game and the uh, Clippers game. Right. And he had 15 points. He went three for three in his threes. I think everybody was scared after that just completely horrendous three for 18 game versus Houston that, oh, Spencer's Dinwiddie's three. Is it going to start regressing back to the mean? But no, I mean, he came out and shot the ball well. Um, he had a couple possessions where, I mean, he had one nice post up, used the baseline to seal. Spencer's been fairly good in the post this year. And, you know, he was able to score off that. Went two for two in his free throws. Um, like I said, he didn't really have to carry the ball uh, that much of a ball handling load. Like, you know, you'll see Luca defer to him in these games sometimes where, um, you know, Luca's really just getting attacked at and they're throwing a ton of defenders at him. A lot of different guys are switching on to him. But, you know, because of the Nuggets sort of lack of personnel in this game, you were able to see Spencer Dinwiddie kind of just play off ball in this game, something the Mavericks really aren't going to have the luxury to do in most games with their already severely limited lack of ball handlers really just being Dinwiddie and uh, Doncic. But it was a, definitely a nice change of pace, and I was happy Spencer was able to defer, you know, spot up for some corner threes and just have a really relaxed, chill, productive five of six shooting night in 26 minutes. That was great. You know, you love to see that. That's going to bode well for us on Sunday. He's going to, I'm sure, feel a lot better. And, you know, I think the three-point shooting is real. or I'm starting to believe it is, at least, because – I mean, he's been a really good catch-and-shoot shooter, especially off of, you know, he's been a benefactor off of a lot of Luka passes and swing passes once, you know, Luka is the catalyst of that sort of um, domino effect where he can swing it to a weak side corner or wing, and then, you know, the Mavericks are able to make that second or third pass Luka gets the hockey assist. I mean, Dinwiddie's been a benefactor of a lot of those. And it was great to – um, see him just get a, a lax game where he was able to just kind of chill. Um, Tim Hardaway, like I said, he was getting out in transition fairly well in this game, had four assists. You know, he's elite. I thought he did a better job ball moving tonight instead of just letting it stick. He was finding Christian Wood in his spots, whereas sometimes this season I feel like Tim's really kind of looked off Christian Wood and you know, shot some really horrendous shots at times when they're playing together in that second unit, since they do mirror a lot of each other's minutes. But Tim went three for six. All of his shots were threes. 
went four for four from the line. I mean, this was a good Tim Hardaway game. Like this is the type of consistency I want to see out of Tim Hardaway. Like, yes, every game he's not going to go up for his 30 point sort of just insane shooting night that, you know, is emblematic of his duel with Dion waiters and the rising stars game that one year. Um, but for him to just come in and give you a nice solid three of six from three and not take any horrendous shots, um, you know, play defense where he can. He's obviously going to be, get beat sometimes, but, you know, try to help off ball and um, use his hands. Tim is, you know, he does have active hands. He just gets beat quite a bit. Um, you know, those are, that's all you can ask. And I thought this was a really good um, game in that aspect. <laughs> it's really funny. Like um, this was the sort of Mavericks game in terms of showing off JaVale McGee and Tim Hardaway Jr. If you're looking to make a trade later on the season. I mean, we'll see how that persists, but I was really um, intrigued to see that, how that dynamic worked tonight with those guys off the bench. They just, they, they played really well. Um, <clears throat> in terms of other guys tonight, uh, Frank in eight minutes, mostly garbage time. He, um, he had a nice driving layup. <laughs> um, Davis came in, played a little bit during garbage time. Faku, Theo Penson <laughs> played in garbage time. I will say those last six minutes, of garbage time were some of the just most horrendous stretches of basketball I think I've ever seen. Like, I didn't really know what to word that. That's why I kind of paused there. But I mean, it, just cause it was like such an abomination. I had no clue what was happening. Like it was just back and forth, back and forth, wild shots between the Mavericks and Nuggets, um, you know, sort of all like all their um, bench warmers, you know, reserves, third, third most guys in the depth chart, like, they were just throwing shit up and it, it was a, it was funny to see at that point. Um, but I, I thought um, those garbage time minutes were really funny. Um, like Christian Braun, for instance, on the nuggets, he's a rookie and he had some like really wild possessions in those last minutes. Um, it was really cool to see Luka Doncic's fellow countryman, Lako Conchar in this game. He had an okay shooting. Now he went three for seven. Um, you know, it was when Luca got matched up on him uh, when they were able to get the switch. He just worked him in terms of that post-spin move a few times. But, you know, Conchar is a decent NBA player, and you love to see that uh, for the country of Slovenia. You know, it's not just Drogic and Luca. You know, we need to spread the narrative. I mean, Conchar gets real minutes on this te team, and I was glad to see him um, hit a few shots tonight. You know, he's obviously not the most prominent uh, on-ball defender, but he's not – um, I don't think he's the typical, um, you know, quote unquote, soft white European that people try to attach to just a lot of these guys very unfairly. Like he can, he's not horrendous in terms of his defense. And he's just a really sound basketball player. I like seeing him play. And I liked seeing him play in those Eurobasket games as well. That was really fun over the summer. Um, and it was really funny. There was one position where Bones Highland was dribbling on the, um, wing and Luca was shouting from the bench for him to pass the ball because Vlaco was wide open uh, and Boats Highland was just doing his sort of best impersonation of Spice Adams going in between his legs chaotically like a million times before jacking up a three so that was a cool little moment um, but you know to get back to my point regarding the Nuggets um, I didn't touch too much on Contavious Caldwell Pope in that second half he really started to shoot well um, the Mavericks point of attack defense on him wasn't as good as I thought it could have been, you know, him and Bruce Brown at times, I think the Mavericks 
viewed these guys as, oh, these are typically just guys who are spot-up shooters who occasionally will attack off of a closeout and pull up for a mid-range jump shot or, you know, in Bruce Brown's case, work within the short roll. Um, but these guys, like, they showed why they are not one-dimensional. They were great acquisitions by the Nuggets this offseason. Like, I thought the Nuggets had a really good offseason, and these two guys really served to show that. I mean, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, I mean, he was hitting some tough threes in this game, but on top of that, he was able to operate within that mid-range area a little bit as well, and he was getting to the basket. Like, he looked really good. He's progressed a lot since his time in Los Angeles, and um, that was really um, fun to see the sort of dynamic there. You know, I thought Dorian and Reggie could have done a better job kind of keying in on those guys at times, but that's not a that's not really a huge takeaway I'm going to have from this game. I'm not going to, you know, really knock on their defense too much. I also thought Luca, um, Spencer, and Tim really, like, you know, there were points in this game where they weren't sticking those guys the best on ball either. So I'm not going to, you know, gripe too much on that in terms of the defense. In terms of the defense in this game, I thought, you know, those JaVale and Christian Wood minutes looked good. And I thought Josh Green played really active defense on Bones Highland when he was in. So those are the positives I take away defensively. I'm not going to take too much credence to whatever happened defensively in a game like this where the Nuggets are missing their best players in terms of how the Mavericks other role players and Luka played. But, you know, you'd wish to see them key in a little more because I think the Mavericks could have even had a more dominant blowout if they were able, if they may have given those guys, given those guys the some of the respect that they deserve. But it was cool to see those guys have really good games and, I mean, I just don't really know what's up with Michael Porter Jr., though. I mean, like, you know, as I said at the top of the pod, just 10 points, 4 for 15 shooting. I mean, he just looked lost. I mean, Luca like, stripped him when he was on a post-up at one point. He was trying to back him down. He just used his hands, and the ball, like, flew out to the top of the key. And I don't know, man. It was, it was a rough go at it from him, but, you know, nonetheless, um, he, he has the tools to be a really good player, but – I still think there's some intangible stuff with him that he has to put together before he really takes that next step. Cause with, you know, he has a lot of really good games and then a lot of games like this, he's very inconsistent, you know? So we're going to have to see how he's able to develop consistent through consistency throughout his career. But um, it, it was definitely good that he didn't have one of those games that he gone off. He goes off. Cause you know, if he just had a hot shooting night, uh, this could have been a diff- very different game for the Mavericks, but you know, especially also with him being one of the only primary offensive creators in this one, especially with this is a guy who's looking to score. Michael Porter Jr. definitely in terms of his playmaking still has quite a few layers that he's going to need to add to really develop into that, you know, dynamic um, guy who can affect the game on all levels. Um, But I think that the Mavericks did a pretty good job of keying in on him and limiting him. But a lot of his problems in this game, I thought, boiled down to himself. Um, so, you know, for his sake, I hope he starts to be more consistent throughout his career. But, you know, we will take it. We will take it in this one. Bones Highland had a really good game. Um, I mean, he had a okay game. I don't know. I was just kind of speaking. But he had 17 points, um, three for 11 from three, four for four from free throw. I think what I was trying to get out is that Bones Highland is a really good player. He had somewhat of a bogged down game in this one. He was still, he, I mean, his ball handling is insane and he really is a, I mean, really dynamic passer 
I mean, just some of the sort of no-look passes he made in this game were insane. And, you know, I get that he gets a lot of Jamal Crawford comparisons. I mean, I think he's honestly like a Jamal Crawford with the ability to pass even a little bit better. Like, Bones Highland looks to pass. And, I mean, this is a guy that could be a starting caliber player at some point in this league. He had 17 points, and, I mean, I think he's going to be an integral part of this Nuggets team. I think, you know, as we the year goes along, I mean, this is going to be a guy that, you know, is maybe not – quite at that t- uh, level but he's going to enter the realm of those six man of the year conversations i mean he's averaging um i want to say let's see he's averaging 15 points a game right now on you know fairly efficient shooting and you know he didn't have the best um shooting line tonight especially with murray out and Jokic out he wasn't able to play off those guys as much and you know he it was used a lot easier i think for the mavericks to account for in this one in terms of their ability to key in on him and especially in those josh green minutes they they sent a lot of doubles and traps at him at times, um, especially in that second half, and that limited him. He had three turnovers, was a minus 24. So, you know, he, he kind of had a rough go at it in this one. Um, I did not mean to say that he played a really good game. Uh, I was, you know, just trending towards the end of the podcast, and my brain was sort of getting convoluted um, with the fact that he is a good player. But it was it was fun to see him play. He's a really intriguing player to watch, and, you know, there's very few guys who fit the mold in terms of a guy who is just wild, crazy, has that really just sort of different stylistic feel to the way that he plays basketball. It's almost like street ball um, to an extent, but it still works within the NBA. There's not really many guys in the league like that, and it's really fun to watch him. He's going to be really good this year, I think. Um, But I was glad that he was able to – he bared a pretty bad shooting night, and the Mavericks were able to key in on him pretty good. And, um, you know, besides that, you really don't have too many complaints complaints from this game. Like, it was a good overall, you know, holistic team win. And, yeah, I thought, you know, with the way that everybody kind of just looked consistent in this game, that's what excited me the most. The Mavericks aren't going to have, like, you know, a game like this every game where just everybody looks solid. So you take these where you can get them. And, you know, yes, I know the Nuggets' few best players have been out, but the Mavericks have struggled in those scenarios this year. So I was really happy to see how the Mavericks held up in this game. And it was, like I said, like maybe the best win of the season in terms of the Mavericks just taking care of their business. Like it felt great to, you know, get like a, just a nice consistent game like this Mavericks shot almost 60% from the field shot well in their free throws, 22 for 28. There just weren't only 10 turnovers. Like there just weren't a ton of pickups from the Mavericks in this game um, in terms of, you know, letting a team get back into the game or like the Nuggets only scored 16 points in the fourth quarter after the Mavericks had, um, you know, been blowing, blowing them out all game. So just a great take care of business win. And we'll have to see how this persists going forward. This is by no means a sort of cure-all win. Like the Mavericks still do have problems. We're not going to just be like, oh, you know, the Mavericks role players, everybody stepped up in this one. So the Mavericks going to play like this every night. Like, no, like this was a very dwindled down Nuggets roster. And we need to see the Mavericks role players step up consistently. Like there's still going to be a lot of fake trades thrown around. It's fake trade season. And we're still going to see all that sort of stuff. But it was really cool to see the Mavericks get this nice feel good win. And they're playing a home and home. They'll be back playing the Nuggets at 630 tomorrow on Sunday night. So we got to make sure to tune in on that one. I don't know if any of the Nuggets players will be back for that one in terms of Aaron Gordon, Jokic, or Murray. I have not tracked those guys' injury statuses or health and safety protocol statuses whatsoever. But that'll be cool to see if any of those guys get back in the game. But 
uh, nonetheless, I thought it was a really good feel good win for the Mavericks. And, you know, it, you got to feel good going into this next game with the Nuggets. It's hard to win on the second game of a home and home if you win the first one because teams are able to plan a lot more. So we could have a totally different demeanor in the next like 36 hours if the Mavericks, you know, just get killed by Bones Highland and he was able to just pick apart their defensive scheme and the Mavericks don't try as hard because they beat the breaks off the Nuggets in the first game. So we'll just kind of have to see how everything goes out, but we'll take this where we can get them. The Mavericks are now nine and six. So they are, let me check. They are, I believe, I want to say they're like seventh in the six or seventh in the standings. I'm trying to pull up the standings right now. Um, I know they're second in the Southwest division, but anyways, yeah, I mean, the Mavericks are nine and six, which um, they obviously had sort of a time period where we thought they were trending towards 500 and they still could be trending towards 500, but um, it, you know, there's a lot of parity within the NBA right now. And, you know, you kind of take what you can get in terms of your standings at this point in the year, if you're not in that top, top echelon of teams where I think it's safe to say the Mavericks really aren't quite there yet with some of the holes on their roster in terms of another ball handler and, you know, probably another wing, but, you know, you kind of just take that where you can get in a game like this um, where the Mavericks are able to come out with a just great team win and advance themselves in the standings. The Mavericks are tied um, looking at the standings here. Now the Mavericks are tied for both the fourth, fifth and sixth seed. I mean, the Suns have the, are the fourth seed, even though they are also nine and six because they obviously beat the Mavericks and they have the uh, head-to-head record over them because, you know, they beat us in that first game of the year. And then the Mavericks are the, uh, the, after last night, the Mavericks and the Nuggets are both nine and six, but the Mavericks are the fifth seed because the Mavericks beat the Nuggets last night. So that's cool to see. Um, but there's a lot of game teams in like that echelon where, I mean, the Kings, Pelicans, and the Clippers are all, all only a half game back from the Mavericks and the Grizzlies are only a half game ahead. So, you know, like let's not take too much credence to these early standings. Like the Jazz are 11 and six. There's a lot of crazy weird stuff happening at this juncture in the year. And by no means are the standings formulated or um, is this going to be what it looks like at the end of the year? I mean, the Warriors aren't even in the play-in picture at the moment. Um, but they're finally – they got a couple wins under their belt. We'll see how they play, even though they're struggling mightily on the road. But, yeah, there's a lot of, like, weird kind of sort of hokey stuff at the beginning of the year. But it's cool to see um, that the Mavericks, despite some, you know, games where we wanted to, like, basically just jump off a cliff in terms of um, the Mavericks – um, personnel issues getting severely exploited. Like this was a game where the role players stepped up and let's just enjoy it and let's see what happens in this next one. That's really all I got. I'm not going to try to hammer the uh, the head on the nail too hard in terms of narratives you can take away from this game. Um, but like the Mavericks have a really rough stretch coming up. Me and Jaron talked about those next six games coming up prior to this Nuggets game after uh, that last game with the Rockets. And this may be one of the easiest out of all six of those games, give, if the Nuggets get some of their players back. So let's take these wins where we can get them. Um, but besides that, make sure to follow the Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. So subscribe to us and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. We are available on almost all podcast platforms if you enjoyed this episode. And with that being said, we will catch you guys after the Nuggets game tomorrow night.